When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to the Solar Panel, the Phoenix Sun Show. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate y'all being here for another Solar Panel Saturday. Today we have, as always, my guest hopes, Zona Hoops. How you doing, man? Good. Seven in a row. Uh, happy to be back on here and, and talk some suns with you guys. It's fun to talk about a good team. That's for sure. Yeah. And no one should be surprised. I mean, this is the same Suns team that won nine in a row in the playoffs. So uh, I think they can match that this with this streak too. That's right. PLR, welcome back. Glad to have you here. Hey, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. I felt like we were on the uh, asphalt. Let's run it back again from uh, from last week. Let's do it again. That's right. Hopefully Fallen Founders in the chat today. Um, I feel like it's tough to manage four people at a time, so I, I I felt like we needed to get back down to three this week, but we'll be rotating in and out. Thank you so much for joining us, PLR. Paul Richardson, you had some great takes last week, and I uh, there's probably a little bit more to talk about with the Sarver situation, but also we have a ton of just regular basketball to talk about. It'd be nice just to talk regular basketball. Obviously, the players don't seem to care whether the owner is on the hot seat for some of his comments. The players are just playing basketball. That's what they do. I mean, that's what they said last week. And I think a lot of folks took it as a, oh, they can't help but be distracted. These are pros. They, they control what you can control, as Chris and Devin both said in that press conference. So they ball out. That's what they do. It, it, let's say they didn't ball out, right? then what happens? It doesn't help them. So just do your thing. Do your thing. That's right. Let's do your thing. Yeah. They look locked in. I don't think it's been a distraction at all just from what we've seen. So um, it's good to see them like be able to separate that, like all the outside noise. And it's kind of what we expected just with how, you know, professional this team is. Yeah, you know, it, it all starts with Monty Williams and Chris Paul. And Monty Williams yeah. was basically, let's let's show some patience and wait it out. We've heard head coaches do that before and say the, say the right things before. But <clears throat> it seems like the team really does still take in everything Monty Williams says and kind of wants to embody his, his messaging because he's so genuine with it. But really, to me, the biggest key on this entire team right now, being able to handle distractions, is Chris Paul. He's been through these things before. He went, he's he is the starting point guard for teams who've had their owner ousted for some level of racism. And uh, you know, obviously, you had the Donald Sterling tapes um, that you know that that became extremely uh, famous and easy to digest, and made it easy for the league to to make a quick move on Donald Sterling. Uh, Chris Paul was there right then, and if you guys remember. I probably don't remember this as clearly as I should, but if you guys remember back in that back in that day, which was what ten years ago, I don't know how many years ago, seven, eight, nine years ago, um, 
this came out, the Donald Sterling stuff came out right as the playoffs were starting. The Clippers were very good. They were a top four seed and they were so, they, they didn't handle it well. They did not handle the whole scandal well. They um, considered boycotting some games. They went on uh, the court for warmups with, with T-shirts with no uh, jersey info. Like they, they didn't say Clippers on it, right? So they just had red T-shirts on. I remember uh, they were doing their silent protest, and they just didn't play that well in the playoffs. They didn't handle it well. So this time, I think Chris Paul uh, is just basically, look, man, this is not our problem. Our problem is between the lines on the basketball court. That's all we can control. Chris Paul and his his guys, they are not running the investigation. So why are they being stressed out about it? Uh, so I, I think that's good. And I think he's kept, I think Chris Paul has kept them focused. Part of me kind of thinks the Suns needed something to kick them into some kind of we're back in our bubble gear that they didn't have the first few games of the season. So, I mean, there you could make the case that they, they're using this to their advantage rather than their disadvantage. I agree. Sometimes you need something, a galvanizing point or something to play for. We're, you know, we're going to win this one for Petey. So I, I, they probably did use that as their stepping stone to get everything going. It, it, whatever it takes, right? I mean, you make up stuff. Jordan made up stuff to get himself going. Whatever you need to make get yourself going, you use it. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. And I took that personally, said the Suns, the entire Suns uh, roster. But yeah, I think also just the weird schedule to start the year kind of threw them off a little bit. Like mm-hmm. uh, in, in days where they have one day rest, like in a standard like rest schedule, they're 6-0 and this season. So I think just like sitting for like two, three days and like all that weird stuff to start the year just threw them off a little bit. Now they're in like that basketball routine where that's like that's all that's on their mind. And, uh, you know, they've had all the, all the practice time in the world. So I think you're kind of seeing that click as well. But, yeah, uh, like Paul said, it just kind of brings them together a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah, we have a um, Daniel Williams in the chat, new subscriber. Thank you from when we had Cody Hunt on here, his Spanish teacher. Cody was actually doing the show from his classroom and his his students were on the on the uh, on the feed and commenting during the as if they were at home. They should have been in the classroom watching Cody do the show. That would that would have been great. So welcome, Daniel and any of the other classmates that are here. Uh, all right, so let's talk about what are the keys to now on the court. We talked about off the court stuff. Well, let's let's finish the off the court stuff. A couple of more uh, developments happened over the past week off the court for the Phoenix Suns. Let's get that stuff out of the way. Um, on one hand, you've got the owner's wife contacting potential witnesses or, or definitely um, uh, the aggrieved folks who had been interviewed uh, for the big ESPN piece on Robert Sarver's uh, misogyny and racism and, and sexism and all that. Uh, and she reached out to them saying that they have ruined Penny and her family's lives by speaking out about her husband. What do you guys, what do you guys think of that? Did she do the right thing? No, I think uh, it's definitely not innocent person type of behavior for you to go, go out and like message specific people. Um, you know, I think, you know, her lawyers would probably have advised her not to do that, especially with like an investi- investigation about to go down. But yeah, I think it's pretty, 
definitely not the path that they should go down, but um, yeah, I, I'm also not shocked. Witness intimidation has, has yeah. never been um, the, the thing you're supposed to do, right, Paul? Well, I'm sure her lawyers were sitting in their office and they were probably on a call and they got a text and, and they covered their mouth and said, what the hell did she, what did, she did what? Call you back. <laughs> that's, that's probably the reaction they, they took is it goes to show that common sense is common and just, sometimes, sometimes you have a certain amount of status you feel that it gives you a right to ignore the stupidity level on your ladder and just do what you feel you want to do. And that's basically what she did. All she had to do was sit down and watch it, watch the Goodfellas one weekend because they show it every weekend on some cable channel. And it, witness intimidation is not the way to go. The, there is the RICO law and there's all this stuff now. And it's just dumb, stupid. It makes you look worse. It yeah. didn't help yeah. you. Well, you know what? Let's do this. We'll we'll uh, we'll send this email out to everybody because I'm gonna let them know, and there's no way they're going to report that they got an email from me. Like I said, common sense ain't common. Yeah, and the subtle common threat too common. was was a little bit uh, over the top. Just like think about your kids, just like what it implies. It's just too much. Yeah, obviously she's. I mean, is her first name Penny or is it Karen? I can't. I can't remember. All right. Hey, God, hey, you take care. Take this message. God bless you and your family. God bless you. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yep. And then the other thing that came out in the past week that uh, Jalen Rose uh, was on the, uh, um, is it called NBA Today, the new daily show, something like that, a week or so ago. And he just casually threw in there that Robert Sarver had called DeAndre Aiden a lazy N-word during negotiations at some point, not necessarily to his face, but said that. And um, since then, Jalen Rose has left the country and his co-hosts have shared a statement on his behalf because apparently other countries don't have the internet, um, shared a statement on his behalf saying that, whoops, didn't mean to make it sound like that actually happened. What do you think? <laughs> What do you think about that, PLR? I think Jalen Rose for a second probably thought he was sitting at the barbershop. Yeah, right? Something, Where you can just say anything? Yeah, unless something slip out. Um, I, I I love the way he left the country. That's that's the best. Uh, you've been suspended or take a couple <laughs> weeks to yourself while you think about you take a couple weeks while we work this out. I love that I, he's in a country that doesn't even have the internet. That's how far away he is. Like, <laughs> so his wife doesn't know where he's at. I mean, he couldn't. They couldn't have relayed the message to his wife, who's on TV every morning. So, who's his wife? I, Molly Karen from uh, oh. the Stephen A. Show. Got it. So, yeah, she's like, only yeah, on. She TV. couldn't speak for him. <laughs> no, you know what that is. Let me give you that. Let me give you that translation, Dave. Dave, one of us needs to keep our job. Just I'll go out the country for a minute. One of one of us needs to keep this check coming in. I, you know, what might not be me. So let me just have you do this, dude. Yeah, his wife is probably like, man. Already your haircut is to the extreme with that with that <laughs> extreme uh, um, lines. Yeah, no. Now you got to say these things. Uh, Jalen has always had. It is funny. 
not funny, but there is there is connection that uh, the people who are speaking, some of the people who are speaking out the most are ones who really did not end their experience or have great experiences with the Suns. Earl Watson and now Jalen Rose throwing this thing out. What bothers me about that whole thing is that it takes away from any truth or all truth that there is coming from these victims. Now, there's a big difference, I want to say. There's a big difference between unnamed and anonymous, okay? the uh, We have to find out, the NBA being we, has to find out the difference between unnamed and anonymous sources. Uh, a reporter's job is not to name their sources, okay? That's, that's part of their job. <clears throat> when the source doesn't want to be specifically quoted, the reporter is not supposed to give up the source. The NBA, however, can interview all former players and coaches and, and staff and all that from the Suns and get their word, get their feedback on record and figure out what's true and what's not. Um, what's happening with this Jalen Rose is that he's like piling on in a way that it, it undercuts the validity of the potential issues. You've got to not just think about this from the Robert Sarver point of view. How's it going to hurt Robert Sarver? How's it going to how's it going to help the Suns? How's it going to hurt the Suns? Think about the victims in this. There are people who told the reporter that they still to this day are 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 uh, uh, negatively affected by memories of working in that environment. That that sh those people should not be ignored now because one guy says that Robert Sarver said one thing that. Uh, inflames the entire fan base and, and uh, the NBA and could get Sarver out when it's not even true. So what we need is to make sure that, that the, um, uh, that the truth is what actually comes out there. So it bothers me that Jalen Rose would do that and then just immediately walk it back and go, Oh, I didn't actually mean he said that even though I said that he said that, come on, Jalen. Yeah, he just said it too, like casually. If it felt like, like he's like we were talking about last week, like that would have been like the headliner of like Baxter Holmes' story if it was a real report. So, right, that's, that's kind of why I was like a little bit like skeptical that it was like something he was like breaking and more of just him kind of, you know, shooting the shit, just talking on the show, and then he he just realized, you know, immediately after that he kind of screwed up there. So definitely not ideal to just like throw accusations like that uh, on air, but. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, let's move on. Uh, let's get off the uh, the ugly news and let's go on to a team that's won seven straight games. So let, we're going to go through keys to the winning streak. Now, I'm going to get a little nerdy here. So I'm going to actually do something I haven't done in a while. Where did it go? There it is. Dang, stop me. I had to do it twice. Um, over this last seven games, the Phoenix Suns are back where they were last year. Now, seven games out of only 11 played in the season. So it's a majority of the season. This isn't just a middle of the season seven-game streak. It's it's seven of the 11 games they've played. They are second in net rating in the league at plus 10. They're seventh on offense, second on defense. Their defense is back to where it needs to be. They're third in effective field goal percentage and second in true shooting. Uh, they're second in pace. That I want us to talk about a little bit more. Second in pace. Um, the, on the downside, 
they're still losing the three point battle. They're still they're still letting their opponents get more three point shots up. Um, although they're not making quite as many as they were early in the season. And they're still not getting as many shots up as they used to get a year ago from three. Uh, so those are two things I want us to talk a little bit more about. And then you guys can um, uh, bring in whatever you want to talk about keys to the winning streak. But what do you think about the Suns being second in pace, Zona? I think it's something they talked about in the playoffs too. Like at times when they're struggling to score, they like – Chris Paul knew that they had to pick up the pace because like, they're so good in transition. They have guys like Mikel and Cam, uh, even Deandre can run the floor really well for his size and, and book obviously. So I think just playing to your strengths and personnel, like they have to play faster. Uh, like last year, they're like what? 28th or yeah, some, something crazy. And, something like that. Yeah. They're really, really slow. Yeah. They can't play like, like that. We were I mean, excited when in the last couple of months they were up to 24th. Yeah, and that's that doesn't suit them. Like they can execute in the half court, but they need to get out and transition and get those easy buckets, uh, especially for you know confidence builders for like Mikel and Cam and, and guys like that. Uh, just see the ball go in on a layup and a fast break, and then you know in the half court your confidence is up and you can you know hit those threes. And we saw that last night, just how confident the team looked in, in general. So I think it's just kind of carried over. Yeah. See, I think pace is a care is a is a balancing act. For this team and i say that because you want to get out and move but you also have a point guard that's 30 something and <laughs> you, you've got to balance you got to balance his energy for the length of the season also we all know in the playoffs games slow down so if you're comfortable with playing a half court game when the playoffs start then you're not uncomfortable playing it so i think there's this balance between the the two the one thing about the jazz that i've always said is they're not built for the playoffs and by that i mean they can get up and down they can do a lot but when the playoffs start their half court offense is not very good they don't execute it the same in long stretches the suns can do that so i, I i'm always careful with pace you want to keep like like zona said you want to keep mikhail and cam and those guys going because you got the young guys out there, and that's I call that the uh, the campaign pace. When he's out there, let's get up, put the sideline, let's roll. When Chris is out there, let's slow up and death by a thousand by a thousand cuts because we're going to slice you and dice you in this half court and kill you with this mid range. So, even though I look at pace, I I, I want to see the flow of the game to just know that they're doing what they need to do. Yeah, I wrote an article earlier in the week on brightsideofthesun.com. You all should go check it out. The best sun site out there. Um, I wrote an article on there saying that the pace that they're playing with is a little bit misleading. Now, for sure, you're seeing a lot more where Devin Booker is getting out there with hair on fire and <clears throat> um, feeding forward to Mikel. Those are some of the great highlights of the season so far that we didn't see as much of last year. That's wonderful. De Devin Booker for some reason, was has never been able to throw a lob to DeAndre Aiden, but he can throw a lob to Mikel Booker, Booker, Mikel Bridges at 100 miles an hour on the fast break. I'd love to see it. But part of the reason the Suns' pace is up is because they're turning the ball over on live ball turnovers more than they did a year ago. Um, they're still in the bottom half of the league on turnover rate. Uh, even during this streak, they're they're close to middle of the pack. Uh, so and And I remember, we remember, that last year, 
Chris Paul and campaign were two of the top 10 in assist to turnover ratio in the league. Um, so that's going to get, that's going to calm down their turnovers in the backcourt are going to calm down. Part of that uh, was because they were mixing and matching uh, ball handlers while campaign was out for half of this period of time. Campaign's only played four of the seven games. Um, actually, the last three of and the first and then the last three of these seven games. And so he's getting his, his uh, feel back, but they have not locked down on turnovers this year. And that's contributing to pace. Cause what happens is your possessions over a lot sooner when you lose the ball in the backcourt <laughs> and the other team scores faster because they're out in transition. That's the way it goes. So that, that contributes to pace a little bit. Um, I expect by the middle of the season, will be back to middle of the pack on pace. It is nice to see them getting out for free points, though, uh, more often than they did a year ago, and I hope that keeps up for sure. But I thought second in pace was was really curious considering you got a 36-year-old point guard, and Chris Paul doesn't appear to me. I mean, it appears he's getting the offense started earlier, quicker than he did a year ago. There was a lot of watching the ball roll last year to midcourt. Um <clears throat> there's a lot of really slowly walking up and barely beating the eight second mark to cross mid court that we're not seeing this year. So that part is good, but Chris Paul's not running. I mean, he never has been a runner. So uh, that's, that's really good. And I think um, they're still going to be great in the half court because they know how to execute on that. So adding a little bit of pace is really helpful. The other thing that's still interesting is the Suns losing the three-point battle. Now, some of this could be just other teams are desperate, but really I think the Suns are just – that you should not be at a three-point deficit every game, and they still are. So, PLR, what's your what's your comments on their three-point um, you know, offense and defense? Well, the shots are starting to fall. I, I'll go offense first. Their shots are – starting to fall. They're starting to get a rhythm. And, and I'll be honest with you, I think a lot of it has to do with campaign um, because he gets out there and he's push, push, go, and you're running to spots and you're not trying to execute getting guys free in, in the middle of, of, of an offensive set. So I think that's helping a lot. And defensively, I know I'm going to say this like an old school 12U coach, contest the freaking shot and i think that's something that they've done a lot better we're we still visually have that first portland game in our mind where they were just shooting threes like layups because no one was out there but the portland game the other day they actually contested shots and if i remember correctly i'm not i'm not the the stat geek uh uh with, with certain things but i think i remember portland not shooting well at all uh, from the three-point line. And the Suns were out there contesting a lot, a lot of shots. I know it sounds simple, but an open three and for an NBA player and a contested three are two totally different shots. So I think that's going to flip. It's just you got to dig yourself out of the hole for it to flip. Yeah, and right now they're at the bottom of the barrel and three-point percentage, I think they're like barely like – 31%, which is like 28th in the league. And, and last year, they are kind of towards the average, like around 34, 35% um, at 15. So I think they need to get closer to just being average. Like they don't rely on the three-point shot by any means. Like they can score mid-range inside the paint through DA and, and JaVale and 
all of a sudden Frank Kaminsky, the the newest MVP candidate. But um, yeah, I think the balanced scoring attack is is like the key for them. But um, yeah, defending the three, like their their defense in general is picked up, and I think that's what leads to easy buckets, and that's what gets their offense flowing. It's always been the defense, so it starts on that side of the floor. And I think you know a lot of these numbers are just going to kind of even out as the season goes on, and we're already starting to see things come back down to earth. So. Um, I expect their their three point percent has to increase because they're not going to shoot like thirty percent from three all year. Hopefully, yeah. And just real quick, the, I'm sorry, seven for thirty. Yeah. Portland shot seven for thirty. Yeah. The other night, that's that's twenty three percent. So compared to the first game where I think they shot one hundred and seven percent against the Suns, the numbers going to things are going to start to even out. You were looking down. Did you do that in long division by hand? You know the twenty three percent. No, no, no! I just looked at. I had to look down at my uh, uh, my my phone real quick where I had to stand. No, it's okay. <laughs> Long division. They don't even figure out that do that. Thing. They don't even do that anymore. They use they some. Don't? No, they use some whole new type of math. My ten and eleven year old are always like, "Dad, you can't do the math problem like that." And I'm like, "What the hell? This is the way you do math." I'm not going to sit in the middle of a store trying to do some factor divided by the number. Of, Man, you better add those numbers the way I just showed you how to add those numbers. Learn both ways. I don't have time for that. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, 23% they shot, 7 of 30. Yeah, in the last seven games, they're up to 36% on three-point shooting, so they are getting better, uh, you know, getting back to normal. 36% is traditionally league average on threes, so um, they're still not doing great. Cam Johnson can't can't hit a three for, his, for the life of him unless it's completely wide open and in rhythm. So he's going to get better. And uh, campaign was out, and that did actually campaign takes a lot more threes than obviously Alfred Payton ever did. So so that helps the three point attempts. But I, I think you hit on something, PLR, and um, or I'm sorry, maybe it was Zona, but on on uh, Javale and Frank being suddenly paint guys, uh, they're getting more points in the paint than Dario used to. I think Dario's rumbling, bumbling, stumbling points in the paint. As wonderful as Dario is, he wasn't a regular in there um, to get points a year ago. And now you've got JaVale and Frank who who are regulars. Now, um, even with DA out, they're they're still doing pretty well in the paint, that's for sure. So yep, the Suns are the Suns are doing they're back to who they were a year ago, basically is the is the uh takeaway here. The seven game winning streak is a little bit a product of their schedule. I thought the Memphis win on Friday night was huge in terms of, look, man, we can beat anybody anywhere because Memphis is always a tough get and it was in Memphis. So I thought that was a big win. The Portland win was a good win, although Portland's 0 and 5 now on the, on the road this year. So I don't know about um, how good a win that was against Portland and the Sacramento win. You never know what you're going to get with those guys. Those guys are a bunch of Forrest Gumps, you know, chocolates in the box. Um, so, but I think this Memphis win was was strong, and uh, that was good. It could be that Memphis just had an off night, but you know what? They tried not to have an off night. I really feel like they tried hard in that game. They couldn't get their shots to fall, uh, but a lot of that was the Suns contesting every shot that they took. And, man, let's move on to the next quarter. The next quarter is role players stepping up because the first thing guy guy I want to talk about is a dude who finally stepped up for the very first time all year. And that is Abdel Nader. We went from wanting Abdel Nader to never ever step on the court again. 
to suddenly now he is blocking John Morant to the point where it's, 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 uh, you know, how many jump balls did Abdel Nader grab? Cause he just held, he just put his hand on the ball, holding it down because John Morant was doing his whirly, whirly dervish stuff. And, um, Abdel Nader made a couple of threes. He actually made a layup or two, which was pretty nice. Um, all of a sudden he looked like an NBA player. What do you think about that Zona? Yeah. I mean, He's looked a lot better even before this, like the last two games, I would say. He's started to look to the point to where it was like, you don't want him off the court every time he comes in, which is progress. And uh, and then he kind of put it all together, this Memphis game. So I think by far his best game and kind of showed that uh, he deserves a shot in the rotation if he can continue to play like that. Um, we need to see it more consistent, obviously, but got to give him some credit because we were pretty harsh on him uh, early in the year. So um, always like when when someone proves us wrong. You see what love and patience does when you love someone as much as Monty loves him and you have patience. It's, it's, and what, what did the Philadelphia football coach say when you plant that flower and you, and you fertilize it and you wait for it and everybody has a hand in the fertilization. That's what happened with Abdul Nader. It was just love and patience, love and patience, like a Krabby Patty done with love. Yeah, but the way you put that, it's like now he's going to flower for the rest of the year. I'm not convinced about that. I still remember <laughs> talking to Keith Smith, who's a great nation- nationwide guy, uh, national cover on, on NBA. He's great on contracts and all that. Had him on the show once to talk about Dooley because Keith Smith is also a Boston Celtics fan, writes for Celtics blog and all that. And they had Nader for a couple of years before the Suns did. And he's like, man. Abdel Nader is like, he's totally up and down for two weeks. You think, Oh, this guy's going to have a nice future in the league. Really good role player hits his shots, does all these things that Monty Williams loves and wants to see. And then you go a month where he does absolutely nothing. And you're wondering why he's even in the lineup. So guess what? We're getting the Abdel Nader experience. Yeah, yeah, between, between that and the JaVale McGee experience, you know, you never know what you're going to get with that second unit. So oh. it's always a good time. We'll talk about JaVale. You know what? I want to wait on JaVale on the guys who are not stepping up quite as much because that's my opinion on that. Let's talk about that in the third quarter where we go to baller talk because Liz Nichols had a great question on on the the, the relevance and the value of DA versus uh, Frank and, and JaVale. And I want to get into that in detail in a little bit. For now, let's talk about the guys who are doing really well. Um, and you can't have a section on guys doing really well unless you talk about Frank Kaminsky. Frank Kaminsky, career high, 31 points the other night. 31 points. His floater game was on. He made every single jump stop, one foot, one-handed push shot that he put up. He 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 made all the right moves. Chris Paul praises him after every game, saying Dooley, I mean not Dooley, but Frank is always in the right place at the right time on the short roll. He knows how to move the ball. Frank says he's not the most athletic guy in the world, but he certainly um, uh, uses his mind and, and, and knows where to move the ball. He's a great connector. Um, <clears throat> in the last six games, Frank is 14 points, four and a half rebounds, 1.2 steals, and one block a game. Uh, most of that filling in for DA, who's been out with a knee bruise. Um well, how how uh, obviously y'all are going to say Frank's been doing great, but tell me how how sustainable you think Frank's individual play is. Start with you, Zona. 
Yeah, it looks like Wisconsin Frank is in the building. So uh, he's been great. He's done everything he's been asked to do and filling that Dario role um, almost better than Dario, which is, is crazy to say. But uh, I think defensively, he's looked a lot better this year, too. Like I remember during the offseason, there was some stuff like him on him working on his lateral like movements and like sliding and stuff like that. And I think you can kind of see that he looks a little bit quicker guarding. Obviously he's not going to block any shots, but just being in the right place at the right time, uh, stepping up in front of guys. And like, obviously he'll have like a lapse here or there, but defensively I've actually thought he's looked better. And then offensively, I mean, he's just making all the right plays. Uh, him and Mikel have this weird, like really good chemistry where it seems like their brains are like connected and he just yeah. finds them on every like backdoor cut you can imagine. So, uh, yeah, the passing is huge. I think just the finishing has been a pleasant surprise and uh, the confidence is going. So, of course, the, the three is going to fall. So I think is it sustainable for him to keep playing like he's Larry Bird? No, but uh, I think he <laughs> I think he will uh, you know, at least be able to carve out a decent role and give him productive minutes for uh, the foreseeable future. All right, let's take a quick break and talk about our partners at DraftKings. The NHL season is underway, just like the others. NFL, NBA, NHL, everything's going. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, as well as NFL, as well as NBA, has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and get $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. Doesn't matter if it's a one-time clapper or a deft deflection. However they light the lamp, you win. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes on any sport all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. That's TBPN. Throw down $1 on any NHL game this week and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net nets you one big win with promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or PA only. Arizona customers are fine. New customers only for this offer. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. I don't think it's an accident that Monty came out after uh, the finals and said, I should have played Frank Moore. Um, he's, he's just a basketball player. I, I, and, and, I, and I mean that in, in the most complimentary way. If you need Frank to sit for three games, he'll sit for three games. If you need him to come in and spell you for three games, he'll do it. If you need him to start, he'll do it. He is the, the professional's professional. And he, he is not a guy that's going to get in the game and say, um, I got to get my shots up or I got to get this. He does whatever the flow of the game dictates him to do. And he scored 31 the other night. But let's be honest, the first 12 kind of snuck up on you. It's like you look up and you're like, oh, wait, he's got 12 points. And you look up, oh, wait a second. This is this is starting to add up. It's not a flashy. It's a this is what's needed for me to do. And that's the one thing about Frank. Um, that I've always liked about his game. It's not a look at me game. It's a, I'm going to do what's needed. That's the guy that's in the league at like 39. They're like out of Wisconsin in his 17th year. You're like, what? Is it, has it been 17 years? You started counting back in your own head, but that's what he brings to the sun. Just a professional 
player. And there's something, I actually a video I took, um, I want to say it was like three weeks ago, a game he didn't play in. I think it was a game, or two weeks ago, it was a game before DeAndre got hurt. Um, after the game, he's out there shooting threes, shooting middies, shooting all this stuff. And I was like, crap, after the game, why is this guy out here? He didn't even play. Maybe he's just trying to get a good lather up. And that's just a professional, staying ready. I didn't get shots in the game. I got to get my shots up and stay in rhythm. So when Frank does things, I'm really not surprised because he's just a pro. That's 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 Frank. And it's good to have a team with a guy like that on it. Whenever you call his number, he's ready. Yeah, yeah he's another guy I wrote about this this week. Uh, he deserved an article, you know, to, to cover him on, on Brightside. Um, he was people forget that he was the national player of the year, the college player of the year back in 2015. That was only six years ago um, where he was the national college player of the year. He in 2014 and 2015, he had great NCAA tournaments. He helped Wisconsin uh, play get all the way to the uh, championship game in 2015. Um, he was a sought after number nine overall pick in the 2015 draft. He's got skills. He's always had skills. His big problem, uh, his offensive skills, and he can shoot the three and all that. His big problem has been holding up defensively because is he is he was he strong enough to be a center and was he quick enough to be a forward and the answer was no in both places so he always had a tough time actually proving himself and staying on the court for longer stretches and so I think he's 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 a found a comfort level with being a small role player always ready and always always ready to go and b He's actually uh, leaned into, look, you know what? If I'm going to be out here, I'm going to have to be a center. So I've got to figure out how to hold my ground better. I've got to figure out how to how to slide on the out on on the perimeter better. He did a lot of work on um, you know uh, sliding side to side on defense. He really wants to be a perfect role player, and and the way he described it about himself is, I stopped trying to prove everybody wrong, and I started trying to prove myself right. And he's such a smart guy about basketball that proving himself right is a good thing for him. So I'm really looking forward to um, seeing Frank play the rest of this year. And it does make me not miss Dario as much. You know, um, uh, Frank is is really, really filling in on that Dario role because we would expect Dario to be the one if he had been healthy to play the 30 minutes when JaVale gets into it, um, uh, foul trouble and only can still can only play 15 minutes, no matter how many minutes you want to give him. Um, you've got, you would have had Dario coming out and playing 30 minutes and impressing us. Now it's Frank. And I, uh, it's just, it's just another feather in the cap of James Jones and Monty Williams for finding guys who can really produce in the team concept for the team that they want to put out on the floor. So I'm really, really happy with Frank that he's proven himself this year for sure. One other guy that I want to bring up in the role player section here is to talk about um, Mikael Bridges. I know folks want to call him a star, but really the only two stars on the team are Devin Booker and Chris Paul. Um, DeAndre Ayton is a potential all-star role player. I think Mikael Bridges is a potential all-star role player, certainly potential all-defense. Um, Zona, you wrote an article for Brightside this week talking about Mikel Bridges being the best cutter in the NBA. Um, I think that's going up today, actually. I'm not sure I published it yet. 
<clears throat> I didn't want it to get lost. Um, so can you go through what you found when you did some research on Mikel Bridges? Yeah, so he's pretty much like there's like him and like the other Bridges, are like two of the most uh, efficient cutters in the league. Everyone else is like a big. So that like the numbers that track that are kind of, I, I kind of block that out because it's, you know, it's not a perfect stat, but uh, just seeing his finishing at the rim, he's like 81%, uh, which is insane. Like that's something like a center strive to sh- strives to shoot. Like even the best centers in the league can't even hit that. So to see him at 81%, um, he's always in the right place at the right time. And it's not only about him scoring. It's like it just opens up the rest of the floor on, on offense because um, the reason their spacing works is because you have someone like Mikhail cutting through like the teeth of the defense. And then Booker ends up like wide open in the corner because the defense is collapsing on him. And like, they just do run a lot of actions uh, to free up, up like the shooters through his cuts. So I think it's kind of like an underrated part in their offense. Like I would say that, and then like DeAndre Ayton's gravity are like the two like most underrated aspects of this offense that kind of keep, you know, the, the offense revved up and yeah, just had to give him some love because he's always in the right place at the right time. Um, just that Villanova basketball, just like their, their basketball IQ is just, next level and he like he's just always at the rim and you're wondering how he gets there but if you watch him he's always moving without the ball he knows how to fill the gaps so i've uh, just been really impressed with him and i think he's definitely one of the best cutters in the league i don't want to take away from the views on your channel so i'm not going to show it here because then all of a sudden you'll have uh those people will have already seen it but i put in the chat the link to zona's video on mikhail and that way you guys can see the the work that Zona put together to show you how Mikel Bridges is the best cutter in the NBA, how he really opens up the Suns offense. I thought that was a great video. And there's an article going up later on today that'll talk about, that'll, that'll walk you through it as well on Brightside. So good work there, Zona. Appreciate it. All right. So that is the three role players that are really stepping up that I wanted to bring out today. Um, but I'm going to open it up now to you guys and to the chat. Are there other role players that you feel like stepped up that we should talk about that really stepped up? Uh, I'll just give some more love. Uh, go, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, please. Oh, no, I was just going to really quickly just say I, we need to give some love to campaign because I feel like the offense just looks so much better when he's out there and uh, they really missed him. So. Um, shout out to him that he's important for what they do. And, and like Paul mentioned earlier, just like, you know, Chris is like the death by a thousand cuts. And then Cam's just kind of like the, the energy guy that comes in and just picks up the pace. So I think you're seeing that balance kind of um, back a little bit. And it, it's really good for the, the second unit. I think Cam Johnson's going to start to pick it up as well, playing with pain. So, um, you know, he's been a little bit of a slump, but, you know, it's good to have pain back for sure. Zona, you know what I think is funny is when you said that, it made me think by going to Alfred Payton, even though he did a good job, it was just Chris Paul light. So you didn't get a change of pace. You just basically went from one dude to the same dude that just doesn't do it as good as the other dude. Whereas with with campaign, you're changing the whole flow and energy of the game. So when you were talking, I'm like, yeah, basically they just got, you know, Chris, Chris Paul light when Alfred came in. In the game, which is not bad. I mean, if you can get Chris Paul late to sub for a while, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. But Dave, Dave gets on my guy here, and I just love the experience. JaVel McKee, I think, is just fun. I mean, I, I really do. Because 
I don't think the Suns got him to do more than what he does. He's going to give you in 30 seconds a highlight dunk, a highlight block, a highlight turnover, and a highlight shacked in a fool. He's going to give you <laughs> all of that in the span of 30 seconds. But there's something about him that's just infectious. When he dunks the ball or when he gets a good block, everyone just looks at him like, like, like that kid on your team that you put in that did something great. He's still that kid with the same exuberance and happiness. And that's even though he doesn't do everything right, there's a certain energy level. It even starts in the in their their huddle before they come out on the floor. And I I, I notice little crazy things, but he does like this three-step jump, like let's go. And he does this three-step jump. And as they're running out of the tunnel, Mikhail and a couple other players. They're imitating him and they're laughing and they're doing a little three-step jump before they come out. Uh, like, let's go. Things like that on a team is really important. It, it 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 gives you a certain looseness and a certain fun and a certain someone to pull for. So yeah, when we talk role players, we can we can get with the numbers, what, what Cam does and what what Frank is doing. But JaVale gives them that extra big. And although there's the experience that comes with it, that size makes a big difference. And when you have a group of guys that are pulling for you, you're getting the Golden State JaVale, not the Denver JaVale. And I, I, I think what he's brought so far Denver, is yeah, really Denver, Yeah, J- Denver JaVale was a, an aberration, obviously. Late career JaVale has three championships and a gold medal. <laughs> yeah, he makes a the difference. first half of his career, shacked in a fool more often than anything else. And the second half of his career, it's like it's like JaVale is the dude that, not skills-wise, but impact-wise, that Frank wishes he could be the second half of his career. Wouldn't Frank love it if he could say, yeah, I didn't play more than 15, 20 minutes a game, but man, I got three, I got three championships and a gold medal. <laughs> that would be great. Um, JaVale, just to point out the, the highs and lows of JaVale in the last six games, last seven games, sorry, JaVale, 18.5 points, or excuse me, 18.5 minutes per game in that less than 20 minutes, he's putting up 10 points on 61% shooting with 6.1 rebounds, um, almost an assist and, um, almost a block, but he's just a plus, uh, he's just a plus 0.4. Uh, which is one of the worst on the team in that in this last seven games because it's a win streak. Um, he's he's committing 3.3 personal fouls in 18 minutes on average. He's <laughs> doing over a turnover a game on average. Um, he's it's definitely look. I love the guy, absolutely love the guy. But by God, if he's your only answer at center, then you're kind of in trouble. In the last two games, he's had three uh, at least three fouls in the first quarter and a quarter. And he hasn't even played that whole time. You know, it's just like he gets two fouls in the first five minutes and then a third or fourth foul in the beginning of the second. And Frank Frank was saying, uh, I loved his his comment. He said, yeah, I felt a little tired um, talking two games ago when Frank came in. JaVale had, had four fouls by the 10-minute mark of the second quarter. Frank had to play the last 10 minutes of the whole half. And he's like, man, it felt like three hours. 
<laughs> he said, I'd never asked out before of a game, but I was this close to asking out of that game toward the end of the half because I just, I couldn't even hardly move again. Um, I do feel bad for JaVale. He's, his, his fouls and his play in the last couple of games has been impacted as, um, as I think it's Ted Leuven says, is um, eyewear. Yeah, he's, he's had eyewear issues because he got his eyes scratched. And now he's it's it's bloodshot and everything is his blood's not you know he doesn't have clear vision and so he, he last night he came in trying the trying the beach shades the first quarter they came in with the clear clear glasses in the second quarter and then nothing in the third quarter so and he played best in the third quarter so I don't know man he's he's um he's, he's definitely a Javale McGee experience for sure. Yeah, and I think Paul made a great point about the energy. Like they kind of need someone like that to loosen the team up, and he just comes in and uh, gets a crowd fired up, you know, dunking with authority, stuff like that that mm-hmm. they didn't really have last year. And I think the second unit could use that. So uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing just like the second unit in general click like all at once. Like there's going to be a game where like Cam Johnson, Landry Shamit, Campaign, and Javale all have it going, and uh, you know, hopefully they can keep it going for an extended stretch because. You know, they're all a little bit streaky, but when they click, it's going to be a very scary second unit. Yeah, it's crazy. And they, the, the second unit is so talented. So talented. Um, all right, let's move on to baller talk. We have a pending question from Liz Nichols. Uh, this is related to our our center depth. And then we have a question from Buck Dog as well that we're going to cover that will basically might already be covered in that section, but we'll still make sure we address it. Uh, we are talking about the center rotation for the Phoenix Suns here. Um, last year, they went all the way to the NBA Finals with a 22-year-old center playing 32 to 36 minutes a game and Dario Saric as his backup. This year, with, with um, uh, DeAndre Ayton having the bruised knee and Dario having the torn knee, it's a completely different center depth, and it's JaVale McGee and Frank Kaminsky now in a big role coming off the bench. Um, and the JaVale and Frank combo has con- has contributed to this seven-game win streak. They've played exclusively in five of those seven games um, as the center rotation. And Liz Nichols' question is, will everything fall apart when DeAndre Ayton returns from his knee bruise? Zona, go. Yeah, um, everything's going to fall apart, as in they're going to be the second-best team in the NBA again and make a deep finals run. Um but no, I, I think it's a little ridiculous. Uh, you know, no offense to Frank. Obviously, what he did against Portland was, was awesome, and he's been playing awesome. But that's a regular season game against the Blazers, who are like one of the worst defensive teams in the league. And we're talking about, you know, the playoffs and stuff like that. You're going to need DeAndre out there. Like, we just remember in the playoffs last year just how every time he went to the bench, it felt like we were just counting down the seconds till he got back. So, you know, the regular season depth and playoff depth is a whole different animal. So... Um, I will be interested to see how they divide the center minutes up. Like they're going to have to find a way to get Frank minutes and in JaVale as well. So I think that's something to watch. Um, but yeah, nothing's going to fall apart when DeAndre comes back. They're just going to get uh, that much better, uh, especially defensively. And, you know, another thing that's kind of like sits with that is uh, Devin Booker hasn't really been going like supernova mode and they're still on the seven game win streak. So I think you could do that without – DeAndre and and without Devin playing like the best like we've seen him play, then uh, I think the best basketball is still yet to come for this team. PLR, what do you think? 
DeAndre Aiden is, look, I, I honestly believe that you now have the ability to use JaVale McGee and Frank based on the game. So if you're playing Denver, you know, you can go with the JaVale because you can't let Frank guard Jokic. If you're playing a team with smalls that don't really like to, you know, that like to stay in the paint or do whatever, you can go with Frank. So they have a, a, a the perfect problem to have because they have two backup centers that do two totally different things. Mm-hmm. DeAndre is just, honestly, maybe I'm just higher on DeAndre than other people are. I love the draft pick when they made it. I, I thought it was a no-brainer. Um, and I, I think that young big men have to grow. DeAndre is going to be awesome when he comes back. He'll be hopefully the playoff DeAndre. And, no, they, they're they not going to fall apart um, when he comes back. And and if, if is it a what if they fall apart? They're not going to fall apart. This team is too talented, too well coached. They they have um, too much pride. Not nothing's falling apart. Yeah, I'll tell you how this team will fall apart. Chris gets hurt. Devin gets hurt. DeAndre gets hurt. Um, the swine flu hits Monty, and uh, <clears throat> and our GM is out of the country with Jalen Rose. If all those things happen simultaneously, the team falls apart. Otherwise, we're mm-hmm. fine. Yeah, um, you you guys know how I feel about DeAndre Aiden. Look, here's here's what the the latest stretch of games has pointed out to us. <clears throat> um, DeAndre Aiden has different skills than than uh, JaVale McGee and Frank Kaminsky, and Monty Williams has figured out a way to maximize the skill sets of every one of his centers in ways that helps them look good. Like he doesn't have. Frank trying to play the DA defensive role. He doesn't have JaVale even trying to play the DA defensive role. The Suns have been getting lucky. And one of the reasons they're still giving up a good amount of three pointers and three point percentage, because as I pointed out earlier in the show, despite the Suns doing really well in this seven game stretch, they're still giving up more threes at a higher rate than they did a year ago. And the reason, part of the reason for that is um, Frank and both Frank and JaVale play a, exclusively a drop um, defensive coverage where they, they are not trying to defend the three-point line <clears throat> unless you actually absolutely, absolutely try to force them to. And so that opens up switching and, and, and somebody getting open all the time on the three-point line to take threes. The Suns were one of the best at stopping threes last year. The 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 uh, rules changes has helped at least Frank this year in in accepting or at least the interpretation of the rules by the refs, allowing a lot more physicality under the under the rim in the paint. That um, DeAndre was really really good at getting at using physicality without getting called for fouls a year ago. Now more players are getting away with using physicality without having to be as technically sound as DeAndre was and is. Um, so I think it's. I think they're just different, and but the bottom line is DeAndre Ayton is the most talented. And and I'm so sick, not sick, but I'm so frustrated with people who think an, a 75% or 80% talent is as good as 100% talent because then you can fill in with the other gaps. No, the better talent wins games. Better talent wins games. Let me say it another time. Better talent wins games. That's why the Suns made the finals last year was because DeAndre Ayton is the best talent out there at center in the playoffs. He was even better than Nikola Jokic. Just asked Nikola in the second round. 
the first time he lost his uh, Nicola lost his head because he got outplayed so bad. So um, DeAndre Ayton is the best talent out there that you can put at center. You're going to be playing him. The Suns are not going to fall apart because of it. They are much better with him on the court. They've been good with those two, those other two on the court, and they can be in as as Zona said in regular season rotation minutes in early season where every, people aren't living and dying by every win. But man, no offense to Frank and JaVale, but they are not 35-minute-a-game 35, 35 defenders who can, who can set records offensively as well. They just yeah. aren't. And to add to that, I think you have to look at how they're defending Frank compared to like DeAndre. That makes a huge difference because like Portland, in a way, was very disrespectful and not adjusting to Frank after the first half. They kept throwing the small guards on him on the switches and on the yep. dives. They're not going to do that with DeAndre. With DeAndre, they send a help defender, and there's like two guys on him. And that's what I was talking about, the gravity he has, where he just pulls the defense. Everyone's just like gravitating towards him. So I think that's, that's what opens up the threes, and that's another reason their own threes have been a little bit lower um, without the DeAndre minutes. So I think uh, just the, the presence of DeAndre just opens up the entire yeah. offense. So, uh, yeah, I think with Frank, one of the reasons they're getting fewer threes up. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, with Frank and he's Javel, not there just... to pull in the defense. Yep, exactly. So I think that's a huge, like underrated part about Deandre that it doesn't show up in the box score. it's just, you know, something that happens within the flow of the offense and he's a willing passer too. So I think there are some things he could learn from Frank, which sounds ridiculous to say about the, you know, the head fakes and passing that I think if he can add that to his game, it's going to make him, so much better well, just because sure. of the defensive attention that he draws. So, um, but overall he's very unselfish and he moves the ball and it really helps with uh, the spacing. I think Frank is definitely a better connector. He just is. And it's okay uh, for Deandre to learn from that and to watch that he should. And JaVale is a better pick and roll finisher where he's just more aggressive getting to the rim on dunks, even in traffic. And when he's lost his balance. And so, yes, yep. DeAndre Ayton can learn from these guys, but those guys can learn from him too. And the things that they could learn from DeAndre, they may not be able to do because they just don't have that, that level of skill on the things that DeAndre Ayton does exactly. so well. All right. Our next question is from, and this is related. Buck dog asks, is the, is this the best center rotation slash depth that we've ever had as a franchise? That's tough. You got to put a little bit of thought into it. We did have Alvin Adams, although as much as I love Alvin Adams, he was really, really good his first few years, and then he kind of became an average center after that. Really good average center. I mean, lifetime, you know, Hall of Fame level player, but uh, but definitely um, I don't know that we had that much depth back then. You've got the Mark West years. You've got the, what, what do we have? Shaquille O'Neal. I mean, who's some of our best centers that we've had in, in terms of depth? No one's been as good as DeAndre Ayton, I don't think. What do you think, Zona? Any yeah, thought? I think this is probably their best depth they've had and, and top-end talent, too, like when you combine the two. Um, better than Robin Lopez and, and Channing Fry. No offense to the guys, but uh, – and, you know, going back down the list, you know, I mean, I think in recent history, too, the center position has just been so – like such a, a glaring hole for so many years. Um, you know, so I think as far as, like – you know, having that top guy and the depth behind him, this is probably their best, like most complete rotation, which um, maybe isn't saying a lot compared to like some franchises. But as far as I've seen, like, I think it's probably their best one so far. What about you, PLR? You have to go when you said Alvin Adams. Hell, you got to go back to his backups like Byron Forrest, 
Rick Roby. Yeah, <laughs> this by far is the best, not just the best center <laughs> depth, the best starting center. Uh, I love Shaq. Shaq is great. Shaq, obviously, is Shaq. But we didn't get Orlando, get LA's Shaq. You know, we... No. We we got lifetime fitness shack. There's a difference between between the two. So yeah, by far we got the best starting center. And uh, look, no disrespect to Rick Roby's family, but yeah, I'll take Javelle and and Frank over him and Byron Forrest, who I'm sure <laughs> no one on this program has ever heard of. No, and I feel like I know pretty much all the names that have ever played for the franchise, but I had not heard that one. Wow. Yeah, it beats out uh, Tyson Albert Chandler. Adams' backup. Yeah, it beats out, yes. We did get pretty Tyson good Tyson Chandler, Lund. but we also got downside Tyson Chandler, too, kind of yeah. like uh, yeah. back end of his career. All right, next question, Coach Fallen Founder. Do we have to be worried about DA's injury? And I'm just going to say no. Uh, the Suns are being really – uh, I did that with a little lilt in my voice, though, because you don't know until you know. But um, the Suns are being just really cautious. They kept campaign out an extra week after he felt better. Um, Aiden was upgraded to doubtful uh, the day before yesterday's game, Friday's against Memphis, which um, is means he's improving, um, although he still didn't play against Memphis because the Suns are being careful. So you'll start seeing his 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 uh, his availability status improving from from out to doubtful then to questionable then probable and then then he'll play at some point um he loves playing he's very he's generally a very healthy guy um as far as he doesn't get all these nagging injuries constantly so i'm looking forward to seeing him back in the lineup and when he does come back in he's going to play minutes now then monty williams has got to struggle with he was asked what are you going to do when da comes back are you going to be able to play javel and uh, and Frank, because they're both playing so well. One thing that uh, Monty did immediately was not entertain the idea of Twin Towers because the Suns don't play that brand of basketball. They need the power forward to be, they want the power forward in their offense to be a stretch guy who really is a stretch guy. And Frank is only a kind of a half stretch. Uh, and uh, JaVale obviously is not at all. So Monty immediately just went to center minutes. And he said, you know what? It'd be really nice if we could have DA playing 27, 28 minutes instead of 35, 36. Uh, and uh, that way, you know, Frank can get in there. And I, I feel like it's going to be more about um, JaVale being the primary and Frank being there in case JaVale gets into foul trouble. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Frank's going to be an in and out guy all year. So we'll see, but that is definitely when, when you're, when the center you can't even play can put up 31 points, in a game that, as Zona puts it, he wasn't really being defended, but he still put up the big game. Uh, that that's really wonderful, and the Suns do have. I, I do feel like this is their best. Uh, let's see. Steve Holler asks: Is Monty going to continue laying the backups? Gives up huge leads in the fourth quarter. <laughs> you know what? Uh, this is this is the good world, right? Back in the day, we used to. I used to. I used to. Uh, one of my most popular or famous or, or favorite tweet um, uh, series that I did was always pointing out when the opposing coach would call a disgusted timeout because the Suns got within 20 after making two straight shots. That's, that's what I used to do back in the, in the dark days. I used to watch for that and I, I would point that out. 
Now it's the other way around. Now it's the Suns who have the 20, 30 point lead. And in the fourth quarter, they lose their edge. Do you, PLR will start with you. Do you feel like that's a problem that the Suns are losing their edge after getting a 25, 30 point lead? Is that something that's going to be a problem down the road? It can become a problem. I don't think it is a problem, but it can become a problem if you don't kind of nip that right now. Um, you, you When the playoffs get – or when you're ramping up to the playoffs or you're getting late seasons and you can blow a team out, you don't want your starters back in the, in the game. You definitely don't. So they've got to keep the same level, that same mental edge, because that's when bad habits develop, and you don't want those bad habits develop. Also, look, I'll say this. I don't think it's just Monty. I think some of the players have to say stuff too, you know, uh, and and Dave will get on me because I'm wearing my Chicago hat, but I remember a clip distinctly where Jordan is sitting on the on the sideline with ice on his knees and the bench is giving up a lead, and he's like, ice isn't coming off. Y'all better finish this game. So sometimes the, the team can push you too and say, hey, look, we're done. Shoes are unlaced. Y'all finish this game. So – I don't think it's just on Monty. I think that's on uh, on those on the Bookers and Chris Paul and those guys as well. To let them know, hey, look, finish, man. Don't don't let up what we started. Finish this game. Yeah, Absolutely. I think it was already a problem in that Kings game where you know the starters were all sitting on the bench for a while and then they had to come back in. <clears throat> that was like a you know Booker said he thought they were done for the night. So you know mentally checking out in a way and then having to come back out to close out a game is, is tough. Yeah. Perplex going back to the best center rotation in history. I, I missed this one. Perplex pointed out Oliver Miller being in Shaq shadow. He was actually in Mark West shadow. That was a pretty good center rotation. He wasn't in anybody's shadow. Let's be <laughs> honest. <laughs> Ollie was a shadow. Good point. <laughs> good point. Oh, you guys are having a good time in the chat. That's for sure. All right, man. We had it. That was a good baller talk section. Thank you all so much for posting those comments and questions to us. Next thing we're going to do, we're just a little over an hour on this. We're going to start wrapping up. I got two more quickies. Uh, first one is we're going to preview next week's games. So we're not going to record again until next Saturday on the live show. In that time span, the Suns are playing four games. They play Sunday at Houston who are 1-11. They play Monday at Minnesota, who are 4-7. and seven. Minnesota just beat the Lakers by 20, by the way. And then back-to-back -back at home, hosting the Dallas Mavericks Wednesday and Friday. So we're just going to go a quick around the horn. What do you think the Suns uh, are going to do in these next four games? Zona, what's the record going to be in those four games? Uh, I'll say three and one. I think they'll drop one at like the second Mavs game, um, get the win streak up to 10. But uh, yeah, I think the Rockets game, they should be able to take care of them pretty easy. You know, go up by 20, Rockets make a fake comeback, and then they put them away. Like they're just typical like bad team uh, victory. And then, yeah, the Minnesota game could be a little bit tough just because they're, they have some guys that can go off on any given night, you know, Edwards, Towns, and, and D'Lo. So that could be a, a sneaky tough one uh, as the Lakers just found out, but, but yeah, it's, I, I don't like the back-to-back -back, like in the same building, like uh setup. I mean, they beat, they've beat up on the Mavs over the years, but um yeah, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of those. So I think they'll probably split that one and I'll go three and one. All right. PLR. Four and oh. Ooh. Love um, it. 
I, I look, I love Houston. I like the young guys. They just don't know how to win an NBA game. But they have. If you literally went down like their top six players, there's not one of those dudes you wouldn't say I'd take him. I mean, they they they're just young. Minnesota, um, I think they'll beat them because even though they can score, Minnesota does a it's your turn offense. Oh wait, you 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 go get your shots in. I'll get my shots in. You'll get. They're they're not connected as a team. And to me, Dallas is nothing more than Houston with the old James Harden. Uh, Lucas used to trade as high as hell. Um, the rest of the guys aren't really playing that well right now collectively. Every now and then someone has a good game, and it's pretty much you take the ball, you just try, you decide and determine who gets what. And when you play a bad team, that works because Lucas, you know, immensely talented and can do a lot. When you play a good team, they shut the faucet off on everybody else and say, fine, we're not going to let one one man go off, do your thing. We're not going to let everybody else get theirs. And the Suns have done a masterful job of doing that to Dallas. So this is a 4-0 week. You know, the the home double home zona, Skylar Diggins talked about that. She Someone said to her, um, you know, do you like that? She goes, yeah, it kind of gives me that playoff feel where we get both games in without having to do the back-to-back double night. So yeah man the the home and home with a day in between is great um it's obviously great for when you're the home team last year the suns played dallas was it were they both in phoenix again or i thought they were in dallas am i wrong i thought they were both in dallas but you could be right i could be might be in oh yeah it was the denver ones they were here and then the dallas ones were there i think and and the suns beat dallas both games and lost to Denver at home both games, so I'm I'm not a big fan of these home and homes. I don't I, I don't and in even though the Suns went two and zero and zero and two, I think it's hard to have the same outcome in both games. So I'm going to predict a split of the Mavericks games. Um, and you know what? I just look, guys. the The longest win streak they had last year when they were second in the league and they had the second best record in the whole league was a seven game win streak, which they've already matched. Um, I feel like I'm just going to go with the um, I'm just going to go with the uh, two and two record for next week. So Zona, you've got three and one PLR. You got four and oh, that'd be an 11 game win streak. I really hope that's true, but I'm just going to be I'm going to be Mr. Negative this week and I'm going to say two and two. That's what I think you're going to do. Where's now, to make me feel on, better. Who, who make do you have me, them losing to? Who do I have Min- losing Minnesota? to? I think I think Minnesota because last year the Suns lost to Minnesota in a big game where where um, Cat couldn't miss, and then all the yeah. Suns fans are going to say we need to acquire Cat, we need to trade for Cat, save him for Minnesota, and then um, they're going to split against the Mavs. That's what I think. Fair enough. Yeah, Minnesota they're they're one of those teams that if they get hot they can beat you, but I think the way the Suns play they should be able to dismantle that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So people are not happy with my two prediction. While I was that was my that was my nickname. But anyway. Um, okay. So yeah, Dave's cynicism takes precedence. Yep, I'm Mr. Cynical. Yep, that's me. Uh, so anyway, that's it. I think it's going to be two and two. We'll see how we go in a week. Make me feel better though. What I want to do right now is I want to share with you guys the most important thing that I do 
in Suns Media. I think it's extremely important that we give back, that we don't just take, that we actually give. And uh, what we do is what we do on for my site for Bright Side of the Sun is we have a Bright Side night. We donate tickets to, in the past years, it's been to underprivileged kids. Uh, because of the pandemic, I don't want to bring 5,000 kids to a game uh, that could potentially get sick. So I'm not going to even deal with that this year. We canceled the whole thing last year, of course, because nobody was allowed at the games. So this year, what we're going to do is we're going to bring first responders and healthcare heroes to the game. You're going to donate. We're going to give those tickets to the people who put their lives on the line, their health on the line this past two years to help support during the pandemic when, uh, when uh, you know, basically they were in, in more danger uh, picking up a virus than they ever had been in there in before. And I want to recognize those folks. I think it's very important. The tickets are just 11 bucks. That's all you got to do. You can donate one ticket. You can donate more than that. If you donate 10 tickets, you'll get some tickets to the game. All it is 110 bucks. It costs so much that almost that much to buy the tickets yourselves. You'll not only send ticket people, 10 people to the game, but you'll get two tickets to the game as well. Or any game that works for you. It doesn't have to be that February 16th game that you're um, that you're getting tickets for. If you do 10 tickets to 24, then you get a pair of upper levels. If you do 25 plus, you get a pair of lower level tickets. This is a huge, great deal for you guys. Plus, we're going to have the pre-game interview like we always do. We're going to have a uh, photo op, and you're going to get free T-shirts. Um, Voida, John Voida has done a great design on this year's T-shirts. I'll be sharing it in a coming uh, in a coming show as well. Um, you guys got to just do. You got to do this, and you're not doing it just for yourself. You're doing it to give to others. This is your chance to give back, and give back to our community, as well as getting something for yourself. Even the people who donate just one ticket, you're going to be in a lottery. You're going to be in a raffle to get tickets to one of next week's Mavs games or any game that works for you. So do this. Go to brightsideofthesun.com. Excuse me. Go to suns.com slash brightside. I'm going to put the link in the chat. And I'd really like it if you guys would go to this site and donate. It doesn't cost much. You're not going to miss. You're not going to miss it. You're not going to miss the money. This is one trip to Starbucks that you're not going to that you're not going to be able to go on, and you're going to make somebody really happy. So please, make a donation. Bright side of the sun. It's uh, you can go to our website and find the link. You can also just go to suns.com/brightside. The full link is what I put in the chat, but it's basically bright. It's it's suns.com/brightside. Make that donation. I'd really appreciate it. All right. Enough of that stumping. Um, let's do a wrap-up. Uh, what are parting thoughts? We'll do some parting thoughts. PLR, we're going to start with you. Uh, what, what's your parting thoughts for the day? I want people to understand this year that vote for the All-Star Game. And I'm not talking to fans. I'm talking to uh, coaches more than anything and realize what Devin Booker is doing this year. And I'm stumping early for this. So he is an all-star. He's not a he's not an alternate. He's not a just-in-case guy. And when you look at what's going on in the rest of the league and you look at the guard position, 
outside of Steph Curry, I believe that he is doing more to help his team win, even on nights he's not scoring by being um, allowing other guys to get off. The game Frank scored 31 in, Booker didn't hit 12 points until like 48 seconds in the game. There are stars in this league that would have been mad as hell that they didn't get their shots up and they would have four shots up. To me, an all-star makes sure everyone gets off, allows everyone to get off, and allows their team to win. So I'm pressing early. NBA, open your damn eyes and vote this guy in. If not a starter, don't wait until he's a rotation. I want him to be in this all-star game cleanly this year. Yeah, hey man, I totally I agree. I want to support you. Uh, yeah, uh, go ahead, Zona. Start talking. I'm sharing a tweet I saw uh, yesterday that uh, points per touch this season. Devin Booker scores the most points per touch this season. And of the top points per touch guys, he touches it the least. He's a very team-oriented guy. He's not a selfish guy who takes all, all kinds of shots. Go ahead, Zona. You were going to talk. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think, uh, you know, I'm just happy for Booker that he can have like these quote unquote, like off nights. Like, I don't think he was had an off night uh, last night, but uh, game before that where he can, you know, have a rough shooting night and it doesn't really matter. They're still going to win. Like he deserves this after all he's had to go through throughout his career. Like, you know, carrying the team, putting up these crazy stat lines and he's the only one doing anything and they still end up losing by 20. So just going through those growing pains here, I think he appreciates that uh, more than anyone. So, uh, you know, being able to win on a Booker off night is huge. And then like just the stuff he does, like in terms of, you know, scoring, passing, uh, playing within the offense, like he's just matured so much. So uh, you can't look at the raw, like box score numbers and say, oh, he's having a down year. You have to actually watch the game, see how teams are defending him. And uh, yeah, I think he needs to get in outright this year. No more of that uh, injury replacement BS. So totally agree with Paul. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Devin Booker should definitely be a shoe in this year. And I feel like he's going to be, I feel like he's going to get more fan votes this year because of the Olympics exposure and the role of the playoffs yeah. and going all the way to the finals. He's going to be higher on the fan votes. The media is finally going to turn. The players have always made him one of the top guards. The last three yeah. years, the players have always voted him as one of the top four guards, top five guards. And you get four five, six guards in the game every year. It's the media who made him sixth or seventh, and then the fans who put him ninth or tenth. That's going to change this year. I think he's a shoe in. I think Chris Paul's a shoe in as well. I really do think the Suns have at least two All Stars this year, probably just the two, um, especially with DA missing a little bit of time for the knee. So I, I, I think definitely he is a shoe in, and this is good. Yes, PLR, let's start the ball now. Let's start the talk now. Zona, what's your closing thoughts for the day? Uh, yeah, just to kind of add to that a little bit. Like I think last year, part of the reason Booker, obviously he started a little bit slow, but the team also started. So they're eight and eight, obviously. And the first 20 games, like, you know, they weren't really catching people's eye. And this is before the Suns really became like the the Suns, you know? So I think this year starting strong, the finals run, uh, the Olympics, all that's going to help Booker get in, even though his like counting stats are down a little bit. Like he's, I think, uh, if they can continue this winning streak too, I think it's just going to look better for the voters because usually about 20, 25 games in, that's when people start really thinking about, you know, who's going to be an all-star, who's not. So if they keep stacking up the wins, they're at the top of the conference, you know, CP and book will be in. And 
yeah, I don't, I don't care too much about the all-star in terms of like, you know, long-term stuff, but I think he just deserves to get in after uh, all he's been through. Absolutely. All right. My only closing thoughts are please donate to Brightside night. Uh, I support that the Suns are going to have a couple of all-stars and I want to keep the ball rolling. Although I predicted a two and two record this week, I would love obviously to see a three and one or a four and oh, I want to be wrong. Prove me wrong, sons. All right. We'll see you all next week. Thank you so much for joining us. Ballers, you've been great as always. I appreciate all the conversations you guys have in the chat while we're covering these topics. Uh, sensual Justin. Uh, we'll, we'll see you next week. Peace.